Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Let's go ahead and get into the Word this morning. And so we are wrapping up our uh, Filling Full series this morning. We're wrapping it up as a short series just to kick the year off with um, the, the idea that we're supposed to live full lives. Um, man, in, all last year was about simply pairing things back to the essential. Well, guess what? A full life is essential. Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full, which we're going to look at in a, in a second. Um, but we need, to, we, we need to, and I wanted to imprint that on us as a church, as a people, that we're not going to let our mindset be ground down by the chaos of our world, but re- live in a place where we look for and, and walk in the fact that God wants us. Jesus came so that we may have an abundant life. You got your notes open. You got all of that accessible to you. Let's go ahead and do that because we were created to have lives of meaning and purpose, full lives. We all crave it. Everywhere you go, any place on the globe, Everybody craves a life of meaning and purpose. God put that in our DNA. It's because when God created you, there was meaning and purpose. He loves you. He created you for relationship. He created to connect with you. You are unique because God uniquely loves you and uniquely wants to connect with you. There is nobody else who can fill your role in God's heart. Not just in this life, not just in the connection with one another. In God's heart, nobody can fill that spot but you. God loves you, wants to have a relationship with you. That matters to him. And in that, he wants you to be fully you. He didn't want a scaled back portion of you. He wants a full. And so he came for us to, for you to be fully you. And he knew he was going to have to be a part of that. And in John 10, 10, says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. We're hardwired for fullness. We just love it. You watch a four-year-old pour their own chocolate milk. Just let a four-year-old have a glass. You give them an eight-ounce glass, how much chocolate milk are they going to get? Eight ounces and whatever ended up on the counter. It is going to be full and overflowing. You give them a 12-ounce glass, how much chocolate milk are they going to get? 12 ounces and whatever falls on the table. It's going to go. I guarantee you, you give them a half a gallon of glass, they're going to dump it all. And they're just going to fill it up. They just want want it full. They're hardwired. We are hardwired for fullness. I've seen it in my own kids. Go to the grocery store, buy four loaves of bread. They just sit there, and there's a loaf that's got four slices missing. Where does the next kid go? They go to a full loaf of bread. Like, what's the matter with you? There's an open one. Use that one all the way up, but they're just drawn to the full one. I just want that fresh bread. I just want the full one. And then you end up with five loaves that are partially eaten. You're like, well, how did this happen? And so it's, but we're, why we're pulled to, we, we love fullness because we were built for it. We were built for fullness and we have to understand that it's, and that the fullness that makes us feel full 
is God's definition of fullness. We can have our own definitions of it, and it tends to be self-centered and, and falls flat. But if we let God fill us full, it will change everything. And we need to understand that the driving factor behind God's desire for us to live life and life more abundantly, life to the full, is the fact that God is love. He loves us. He loves you. And so let's go ahead and look at this. And before you go, okay, I'm in church and, and we're about to talk about love and, and I've heard love sermons before. I've heard this kind of stuff. Um, just roll with me this morning, okay? Don't, don't feel like you've kind of already got this ground covered. I think we've all got some room to grow. Uh, 1 John 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Remember, we're about helping you to know God better and to trust him more. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The more we begin to know and understand God, the easier it is for us to function and flow in love because God is love. When God gets says, what is a one-word description of God? God is, you, we, there's tons of words. We can't, there's not enough words in any language, in all the languages of man, to fully describe God. But if we're going to pull it back to one word, that's honestly still falls short, that one word is love. If we're going to pull it back to one, that one word is love, and we cannot have a full life disconnected from love. We just can't. We cannot have a full life disconnected from love, love for God and love for others. In fact, when, if you've been through our newcomers class, you know that our mission, our, our, our desire is to, we talk about it all the time, help people to know God better and trust him more. And then our metric to see, are we doing this? Is this happening? Um, our metric is not something that's easy to measure. In fact, we're 12 years into this, I still don't have a good measurement. You just kind of have to, to go by, by what we feel like is taking place. But it's not a metric of how many of these blue seats are filled up every week or anything like that. It's our people growing and loving God and loving others. That's how we kind of know. And if people are beginning to, to be more patient and kind and loving with one another, then maybe we're doing something on our core assignment. If not, well, maybe we need to reevaluate how we are helping people to know God better and trust him more because if they're not growing in love, we're not really knowing God. Those things are connected. We can't get away from them. See, a full life is a life full of compassion and care for others. We're gonna be looking at this verse multiple times as we track through this this morning. But Colossians chapter three, verse 12 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you have to have the mindset that you are loved. You have to. It is really hard to love when you don't feel loved yourself. That's why God pours his love out in us and we, we get revolutionized by his love. And as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves. And all of these things are, are these derivatives of love. 
this kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, compassion is often translated as love in action, love actually doing something. And we're told to clothe ourselves in this. That's something sometimes we've got to put on. You know, and I love the days when, you know, the alarm goes off and I wake up and it's like just there's a song in your heart and a spring in your step and everything's rolling and, you know, and, and those are some good days. And sometimes, um, you know, the alarm goes off um, and it's like a personal challenge. You're like, come on, bring it, alarm. Pow! I'm, I'm still sleeping. Leave me alone, smart mouth. And then you get up and everything just rubs you wrong. And there are times you have to, just like this morning, you got dressed and got clothed. There are things you have, spiritually, we have to clothe ourselves on for the day. And so we need to make sure we, we clothe ourselves. So we sit here and we, we have to sometimes put it on. We put this on. And so as we're doing this, then we have to understand that this is important because there's a role that is functioning here. See, John 13, 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how the world is going to know. Not because it says church, not because we wear the t-shirt, and we love t-shirts around here, not because of the, what we follow on Instagram and that kind of stuff or on Facebook, it, they're going to know us by our love. That's how they're, we're going to be described, okay? Now, I've clothed myself with, with this jacket, and now if somebody's going to have to do a quick description of me, then they would say, hey, it's the guy in the gray silver jacket, okay, right? That's what they would say, okay? It's because that's what I was clothed in, right? So now if I'm clothed in something else, all of a sudden, my description will change. Now I'm in a green jacket, right? My description, what I'm known by, has changed. Now, what I'm clothed in. Now I'm a black jacket. And my description has begun to change. If you had to file a police report for bad preaching, then... You had to just say, well, what, what, it changes every time what I'm clothed myself is on. What God wants is when the people of the world begin to talk about his people, he wants them to know who we are, that we're his by our love. That's it. He wants them to know by our love. But sometimes you and I, because we're still growing in the process and transforming into the fullness of who he is. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is not scripture memorization. Scripture memorization helps in discipleship. It's not discipleship, okay? Bible reading helps in discipleship. It's not discipleship. Prayer helps in discipleship. It's not discipleship. Discipleship is becoming more and more of who he is, of who he's made us to be. That's what it is. And so as we are growing in that, then we need to understand that sometimes we're going to have to put that on so that, by, that all men will know that we are his. See, Philippians 1.9 says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge 
and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You can't know what is best in any situation until you have factored love into it. You can't. You can't make a wise, God-honoring decision without having factored love into it. You can't do it. it says you, we need to grow that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This is our love growing, not just in this little feely-feely stuff that we think and we call love, but this place where we understand value. We understand what's required of us. We understand what's important, and all those things begin to factor in why God values and cares for, for all of humanity, and we should value and care for God. That we grow in this knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Until you grow in knowledge and depth of insight, you can't discern. You can't fully understand and appreciate any big, minor, medium decision you make in your life. You can't discern what is best. And then that way we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. See, we have to be able to grow in this area of our knowledge of of love. See, we tend to, when it comes to this, we tend to define our own love level um, by how we love those closest to us. But God turns that on his head and he defines it by how we treat the least. Uh, back in 2018, we did a, an entire series around this, my, around this concept. But let's go ahead and let's look at Matthew 25. And we're going to pick up in verse 35. It says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you, clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Like, Lord, we didn't notice. We were just doing our normal life. We were just doing that. We didn't, when did that go down? It's like when you did it for the least, that was when you did it for me. Now, I think it's funny that Jesus is throwing the word least out, okay? Um, I think it's interesting that he's throwing the word um, least out because when it all goes down, we're pretty convinced um, and you should be, that God does not have a hierarchy of people who are great and people who are the least. That God loves all of us equally. But yet here he is saying, whatever you've done to the least, you've done for me. So if God doesn't have a least list, let's look at Acts 10. Acts 10, 34 says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize, and this is Peter, and Peter had been He'd been doing this thing for a long time, and all of a sudden we get to Acts chapter 10. This is deep into this. Peter now realizes 
how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Even early on, Peter thought, God's got a few favorites. Might have thought he was one of them. But in this moment, this is when the Gentiles fully come in. This is when, when uh, Cornelius and whatnot, his family become believers and, and the Holy Spirit's poured out upon these people who are not Jews. And Peter says, I fully realize that God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't show favoritism. Romans 12, 11 says, for God does not show favoritism. It is true. He doesn't show favoritism. So here we have Jesus talking about least and in God's world, there's not a greater and a least. So why is he saying whatever you've done to the least? God doesn't have a least, but who does? We do. You do. I do. We have a least list. We have people that we enjoy connecting with and we care about and we would do whatever needs to be done for those people and then we have people that are, we have a phrase in our language where it says, I just, I couldn't care less. I just couldn't care less. There are people in our lives that we like and enjoy. There are ideas of people. And it especially shows up on social media and whatnot that those people those people are doing this and that. Those people are ruining our country. Those and that. And then all of a sudden, how do we treat? It's not that we don't speak truth. We speak the truth in love. We can speak the truth. We're called to speak the truth. But when we begin to demean, when we begin to tear down, when we begin to destroy, then there's something that is off that he, God, in loves us incredibly. God is for us and he wants us and reminds us that whatever we've done to the least, that's how we've treated him. That's how we've treated him. There's the other side of the coin that's addressed in Matthew 25 where he gets on to him and says, you didn't do this and you didn't do this and you didn't do this. And I'm like, when did we not do that? He said, when you didn't do it for the least, you didn't do it for me, it's how we deal with the least. God takes it personally. He says, that's how you did it to me. And so we need to understand that. And we have a phrase for that. When things are just so bad, it's just like, it just shouldn't even happen at all. We say, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. There, we have a threshold we have a threshold where we go, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, that's just, no. I just wouldn't wish that on anybody. And we understand. But we need to figure out how to bring that up. That place where we just said, I just refuse to treat anybody lower than this. We need to learn to bring that up. I want us to revisit, revisit Colossians 3.12. And here's where the scriptures get really raw. Okay, here's where the scriptures get really raw. And if this offends anybody, I'm just going to say I'm sorry on the front side. So, um, but we're going to look at the King James version of this. We read this in the NIV and we're going to read this in the King James version, okay? And that we're going to look at this. And, and the word that the NIV translates compassion, 
Um, the Greek, it's actually two words. Um, the NIV puts it into one because it's, it's a colloquialism. It's, a, it's an idiom um, that is there in the Greek. And for us to understand it all this time later um, as compassion, then it, it, NIV helps us to understand compassion. But the King James leaves it in those two words. And I think this honestly will help us as well. Let's look at it. It says, but <clears throat> put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Remember what we were putting on? We were putting on love. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and, and beloved, bowels of mercies. That Greek word means bowels. It's not mistranslated. You look it up in the Greek, it means your intestines of mercy. And then it goes on to the rest of the stuff that we understand. Okay, Paul is being very clear because as long as we go back, basic human function has always been a thing, okay? It's always been a thing. And as long as we go back, there are places where, you know, when you just don't care about somebody, you just really want to put them down, um, then we would say that we messed on somebody. You weren't treated right. You messed on somebody, okay? And I'm just keep, keeping this as church-friendly as possible. And, uh, but what this is clearly saying is that we need to sit there and have bowels of mercy that even when we're in that place, that instead of speaking life the way we should be, that all of a sudden the other end is involved, it's still mercy. It is still mercy. It is still this place that whether it's something that we are receiving or something that is leaving us and we are glad to see it gone, it's mercy. It is a very clear, very distinct, raw picture of what, it, of what this looks like. And we're gonna get into a little bit of why that's necessary. And this is just in normal church lessons. So, because we need to understand that if you do not allow God to grow your compassion for people, then you will never fully understand God's heart, God's plan, and God's deep love for you. You understand as he is helping you to love others, he is revealing his love for you. When somebody has so wronged you, and the Holy Spirit wells up and begins to pull compassion much to your dismay. You are so frustrated. And the Holy Spirit begins to pull compassion up in there. He is reminding you that when you are less than kind, when you are less than wonderful, that is what he is doing. He is pouring compassion out on you every time. He's not a favorite. It's not because he likes that person better. All of these moments begin to be used in us to remind us of God's love for us. That he deeply loves us. Proverbs 12.10 says, a righteous man cares for the needs of his animals. A righteous person, he's kind even to just things that aren't people. But the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. The kindest acts of the, so here just the normal, just the normal everyday just dealing with animals is a righteous man is, is cares for and shows kindness to his animals. But here on the other end, this, this, the wicked, they can't even, 
their kindness is terrible. The, the, the kind acts are cruel. We look at the good Samaritan, which the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. And Jesus sets the, this Samaritan up as the hero. And here they pass by this guy, this Jewish guy, who's been, who's been robbed and beat up, left naked, exactly what Jesus talks about in Matthew 25. We have a guy who's been that way. He's naked, he's wounded, he's hurt, he's destitute. All his things have been taken from him. And we have a priest that passes him by. We have a Levite who's another guy in the church and gets on the other side of the road. And then we have the despised Samaritan who comes along and he says, and he went to him and he bandaged his wounds and he poured on oil and the wine. And then he put the man on his own, own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. When this guy who was going through saw this person, the least he could do was to care for him and make sure he was cared for. Where others who were supposed to be more righteous just ditched him. Jesus says, this is what I'm talking about. This, is what, this was his description of what it looks like to love your neighbor. This, this Samaritan's least was to just make sure it was, he was cared for. And when, when we did this series in 2018 about the, the love bucket, and here's this wooden bucket, and it's made out of all of these little wooden staves. And most of us would say that we going to fill this bucket. We're going to let our four-year-old fill this sucker with uh, um, chocolate milk, okay? And man, they're going to need some gallons of chocolate milk. So they sit there, and we're going to think that, man, this sucker is going to just fill up. Here's a problem. One of these is the least. How full can this bucket be. Here it is. We tend to want to define ourselves by how all everybody who's around us, ooh, I'm so loving with my wife and I'm loving with my kids and my best friends and, you know, but then over here, however we are loving with whoever we love the least, that's our love level. That's what Jesus told us. So how do we begin to grow in this area of love? It is futile for me to tack on wood onto all of these and ignore that. It's futile. I could build this bucket up to the sky and we leave this one alone and it's still going to hold the same thing. Well, I need to be more loving. I feel like I need to just be more loving to people. Man, I'm going to buy my wife a new purse. She likes new purses. And I'm going to do this for these other people that I love and care for, that I'm already, and which is wonderful. But if we ignore this, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And we get back to defining what is the defined capacity of this bucket. It's not its potential. It's its least. That's its defined capacity. That's why. Jesus told us, the scriptures tell us, Paul told us in Colossians, to put on love. We have to put it on. And all of a sudden, we sit there and like that guy on that, that commercial that drives us up the wall. And whoop, stick it on there and the leak stops. Well, guess what? When we let Jesus come in here and be a pff, all of a sudden now the capacity gets to be what it should be. 
whenever we allow that to be, to be restored and to put back. And we can be the fullness we're supposed to be, but you cannot live the full life God has for you if you don't address this. If you just don't let him go there. And guess what? This is the spots we want to avoid. I guarantee if, we were, if I was going to try to carry as much water as I possibly could in there, I would avoid this at all costs. I'd sit there and I'd tilt it just like that. Pour it in. All right, there we go. There we go. There we go. That's about how much I can handle. And I am keeping this away from it at all possible. And guess what's covered? This over here. Everybody else, oh, man, look at that. He's so loving. See how they treat the least. And so we have to let God take us there. We got to let God go there with us. James 5.11. Oh, I'll put this away too soon. James 5.11 says, The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. See, that's why God doesn't have any leasts. He's full of compassion and mercy. We Praise God, we have the Brandon Clark one. It's all the way to the top. And we got the, the Mike Hernandez one. And then we got the Steve Whitaker one. No, not really. <laughs> and so it is, no, they're all the way. God does not have one. That's why God is full of love. All of us, no matter, you go to find your spot, it's all the way up. It is all the way up. And he's asking us to grow and to emulate and to be like him. He is full of compassion and mercy. Mark 1.41 says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. He is full of compassion and mercy. Understanding God's love and forgiveness is the baseline for growing in care for others. Okay, let's go back to Colossians 3.12 one more time. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with bowels of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Why? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Why are we going to have to sit there and have bowels of mercy? Because there's going to be people that we're going to have to put up with. People we're going to have to forgive. And forgive their grievances. They've messed up. They've grieved. It's not a misunderstanding. It's not, oh, let me explain. No, they were jerks. They did you wrong. And we forgive. That's why we have to sit there and let them, for us to be who God has called us to be. We got to let something divine, something miraculous take place. And God transform us from the inside out and actually create this place where we have real compassion, real bowels, of mercy so that we can forgive as the Lord forgave you. Our bottom line today is God's abundant love is what makes an abundant life. We can't live 
an abundant life outside of God's abundant love. And that means receiving it from him and passing it on to others. And passing it on to others. Folks, this is so core. Love is not just some little sweet thing we as Christians are supposed to chant. It is the core essence of the, of our, the God who loves us. and is the core essence of everything about our life. Nothing can be really what it's supposed to be, absent of love. And God wants us to have a full life. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.